we're just going to dive right in. So let's do it. Let's talk first about how the pandemic's been for you. Okay. Pandemic, to be honest, started quite rough. Um, Yeah, I mean, for the first few months, it was okay. You know, things were cool, but then things just, like, kept on piling up, piling up, piling up, and I was like, oh, no, we got to, like, take care of this. We got to figure out what's going on. New job. um, We moved to a new city, the family and I. We moved up from Atlanta to D.C., like, Mm -hmm. right before the pandemic happened. So we were trying to get, like, reacclimated to being back home. Um, New job, new city, with a baby, like, everything. So it started out quite rough, quite rough. But we're still here. (laughs) We're still still here. (laughs) Somehow. Somehow. Truly. So what's it been like for you being a new mom and having to make so many adjustments over the last two years? Yeah, so it was, yeah, so it was um, definitely hard or difficult at first. And luckily, I had the support of my family, the husband, but our kiddo, Eric, is five. But when we started the pandemic, he was three. So he's not in school. He was not in school yet. So, like, this was brand new to him. We were home, at least for me, I was home all day. And I was so used to living outside that, I mean, to working outside the house. So that was an adjustment. And then we were like, well, we got to get him, you know, socialized or something in a safe way. So we got him involved in a learning pod and, mm. you know, tried to like go on socially distanced vacations. We were like going to the mountains and, you know, going up to cabins or going to stay in like, we went to South South Carolina. We were you know, like cooped up in a hotel, but just like away and seeing the outdoors more so um, instead of keeping him like home. And um, yeah, it's just getting to learn your kiddo in that sense. And I mean, I've heard it from his pediatrician, from even my therapist, who's just saying like, no, this is, it's, it's a doozy on these kids. And so just mm-hmm. having some grace and patience and knowing that like, this is not how he is like it's as a result of the pandemic so um mm. i learned a little bit about myself too parenting skills like okay well there's some things that you know i realized i had to take a step back and try to see it from his point of view so that did help having somebody else say like this is not a normal three-year-old like we are in a pandemic like nobody is who they actually are right now we're all just trying to survive mm-hmm. so yeah so that kind of turned the light on in my head and I was like okay okay so we're all just winging it let's give each other you know that grace that patience so yeah I love that I recommend thanks what I recommend parenting during a pandemic yikes I mean (laughs) (laughs) gotta have the patience of a saint but yeah I mean there's a lot of a lot of new babies you know a lot of a lot of home time yeah, during the exactly. pandemic. I have quite yeah. a few friends, and I was like, okay, y'all have been booked and busy. No, this girl is on one. He is five, so there have been no ad- new additions, okay? The pandemic <laughs> taught me that. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> amazing, amazing. How did you feel like you took 
care of yourself during the pandemic? Um, not well at the beginning. I think it was more so avoidance. Like I was like, oh, no, no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But I was just kind of deflecting and just, again, like I wasn't being too honest with myself about what I was feeling. So all of the things that were going on, like, okay, let's, let's be honest. Let's be real with our, like myself. You moved, new city, well, same city, but new state from where we were, um, new job again, trying to raise a kiddo, trying to buy a house, all of these things that were happening. Um, and so I was like doing the Zoom party. So I was a little drinking, you know, just like, oh, let's do the Zoom party. It was like Monday or Thursday through Saturday, you know, just like, oh, let's have happy hour all the time. Um, or I was baking a lot which is fine, that's like my stress reliever, but yeah, I just wasn't like talking to myself and asking myself, there's like no self-reflection, it was just kind of like, mm-hmm. no, 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 let's just avoid, 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 avoid what's going on, um, and then, I don't know when it really hit me, I think it was like May or June, what year are we, <laughs> what year, <laughs> what year is it, I feel like, um, Alan Parrish and Jumanji, or Rob, <laughs> Robin Williams and Jumanji's character. Like, no, seriously, what year is it? Um, so I guess it was May 2020, June 2020, where I was like, yikes, like, we've got to get back into therapy. Like, we're, like, it doesn't, I felt like I was spiraling. So I, like, reached out and I was like, I need to talk to somebody to, like, channel this and figure out, like, what is going on? Why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel like I have to? either drink or try to party or, you know, cook my feelings or bake my feelings away. Um, and so that's been great. Mm. Having another, having a therapist to like bounce this off of, which was tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And also insightful for you to realize that, you know, I'm using all of these different coping mechanisms to move through this but it's not working and it's fine if I need more support. Yeah. I think it was very much surface level. So like, yeah, me baking was, you know, it takes one hour from like prepping to baking to waiting for it to bake and then eating it. And then it's like, okay, now what am I supposed to do with the other, you know, 23 hours of the day, 22, 23 hours of the day, I'm like thinking. So I'm like, okay, no, that's not it. You know, just filling my day with like distractions. So once I realized like, oh, I still feel like that weird, I wouldn't say emptiness or darkness. I just feel like incomplete. Like there was something missing that I needed to find a way to fill the void in a positive way, in a healthy way. So therapy works. It was my, it worked for me. It works for me. That was something that, yeah, helped me. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about this very impressive work title. And I would love to know, first of all, what you'd be doing there? Because it sounds like (laughs) you're doing a hundred things and I'm so curious. Yeah. Okay. So my project that I manage is there so there's a local hospital, local DC hospital that um, sees a lot of lower income folks. It's a lot of uh, patients of color, hmm. and so my project 
the medical legal partnership model or MLP model, if you call it, just want wants to shed light on the socioeconomic barriers that impact health. And so my particular niche is pregnant patients or the perinatal patients of this particular hospital in D.C. So it's just showing like the impact that their outside stressors have on, you know, the birth, like the, their pregnancy. So um, I think we're, we, we did like a social needs assessment and found, you know, that there was a lot of preterm birth, uh, low birth weight, and a lot of it had to do with the stressors that they were facing outside, you know, or their health conditions that were not being treated or managed correctly. And so, yeah, so the practice is trying to, like, if we can eliminate one of those. Right. So if they have legal issues, if we can eliminate some stress, will that positively impact both the pregnant person and the baby? You know, it can't harm. You know, there's no harm in your problem being fixed or one of them. So, yeah, so that's what I do. Um, And then I'm also, I also guest lecture. For some classes, so both with the medical school at Georgetown and also the law school, um, I serve as a mentor, um, and yeah, that's it's a very yeah, so yeah, that's that's me, that's what I do. <laughs> that's just a little, a little very bit. casual. Um, how did we get involved in this work? It sounds like it's very needed in the DC metro yeah. area. It started for me in Atlanta. Um, so graduated from law school. First job was a fellowship um, outside. Uh, fellowship with the Health Partnership. So that was with the Children's Hospital down in Atlanta. Same exact model. So helping um, the sick patients and their families with their civil legal needs. And so when... So then when we decided to move back up north, back up to Maryland, I was actually working for the government. I was working with the VA, so helping the veterans with try to obtain uh, benefits, their VA benefits. And Nikki Girard, who is the faculty director of the Health Justice Alliance, she, like, scoped me out. And she was like, hey, girl. would you say about leading your own project? I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. you know, like self-doubt, self-doubt kicked in. I was like, me leading the entire thing? No, I was just a staff attorney back in Atlanta. You know, like I had a managing attorney. I had a director. It was no me, you know? And then <laughs> she's like, okay, okay. And then she just kind of, so I was still with the VA and then she just kind of kept on checking in, you know, like, hey, we're about to launch and, you know, do you know anybody? And then I was like, why why not me you know like why not right. me? if the women and other people you know all the people who are the pregnant patients i should say that are being seen at this hospital look like me so why wouldn't they get help from somebody that looks like them you mm-hmm. know and it just and that was like it's like a calling like i I want them to see that there's somebody who looks like them that's going to help them. That they they shouldn't think like, oh, my goodness, there's somebody else that doesn't look like me that doesn't understand my struggles, you know? Because some of the, especially in the medical field, 
left where you'll hear it being either paternalistic or inherently racist. Um, and so feeling like they're not, their voices aren't being heard. Um, or the, the person who's on the other end can't possibly relate to what I'm talking about. They haven't dealt with my struggles. And it's like, well, I want them to know that they're like, you see me, I look like you. It could very well be me. It might have been me, you know? And so I was like, yeah, I can't turn, I can't, I cannot turn this down. I can't walk away from this. And it doesn't hurt that, you know, in a few years, Eric will be going to college. In a few years. In a few, <laughs> in a few 15 years from now, you know, he's going to be getting ready for college. And let's get him in. Let's let's do it. Let's kill all the birds with all the stones. Thinking of everything. Yep. I love it. I'm wondering how you feel your social identities influence the work that you do. Yeah, so I would say that the most important identities to me, well, they, I think it's it shifted, mm-hmm. but for sure it's being, you know, a black woman, attorney, then it's being a first or second generation, I should say, African, living in America, um, and first attorney for my family, like all of these things are super, or identities are super important. Of course, mom is like number one. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is not about him. Um, <laughs> it's not about him. Um, but yeah, so I think black woman attorney, and then and then back to what I was saying about like, I want them to see that there's somebody that looks like them, so that does, so every move that I make now, I make a conscious effort to make it, you know, I think there was, there's a, there's this black doctor that I follow on Instagram whose name is escaping me right now her her Twitter handle or Instagram handle is escaping me right now but she has like this line that she always says like if they can't they can't be us if they can't see us so if they Ooh, see us then they can be us right? yes and so I'm like okay yes let me empower these women while I'm also telling them things and so some cases and yes I'm an attorney but I'm like listen we're not needed all the time I'm like the um, a look, attorney's nightmare. So I'm like, no, you shouldn't have to need an attorney for all of these basic things, like asking your landlord to, you know, fix the screen or to provide you an oven rack on an like in an apartment that they are renting, you know. Right. And so I want to empower them so that if they do move, they know these things. They don't have to call me again because they already have the you know, the letter, they already know what they're supposed to say, what they're already supposed to look out for when they do their, you know, inspections or move-in inspections and things like that. So I want them to feel like I can be my own attorney, but without practicing law, because that is illegal. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but <laughs> I have to throw that in there. Lawyer hat is always on. Um, so yeah, so that they can be empowered and they're like, no, somebody who looks like me told me I could do this, told me that this is something that I could be, that this is something that I could do, so I'm going to go forth and do it. So, yes. Laura Scott. Dr. Laura Scott. She's a dermatologist in Miami. Yes. I think her Instagram handle is Laura Scott and Co. And she is, like, a very big supporter of 
people of color and mm-hmm. professionals of color. And so, yeah, they can't see us. If, they can't be us if they can't see us. So, or if they see us, they can be us. So I'm like, yep, get that tattooed on my back. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you are too much. But tell me, how are, how are you balancing all of these hats? What's been helpful? Um, therapy, just knowing, because I've done this now for, ooh, six, how, when did I turn 15? So yeah, so for about six years now, um, a little bit over six years now, I think that compartmentalizing, 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 there we go, (laughs) there's that SAT word. Um, and then knowing how do I disassociate myself because it was a lot harder for me when I was done in Atlanta because these were sick kiddos. Right. Right. And so like, I just felt for them cause I would come home and see my baby at that time when he was younger. Just like, Oh my gosh, there is a younger kid who has seen like an entire lifetime worth of pain and suffering, et cetera. Um, and so knowing that like, I have to be able in order for me to be a an effective attorney I have to be able to like take a step away from what's happening and just like help them so when it's you know when it's downtime like I shut it off um I watch some tv you know I'm chatting with my kid my husband we're going out we're doing trips just kind of like take myself away um vacations are fantastic to do that but if I cannot get away then it's really just like going outside you know doing doing just regular things mm-hmm. baking cooking book clubbing um vacationing yeah, all the things it's, it's, oh yeah no all the things because it's very heavy stuff I mean truly heavy stuff but I've got to otherwise I will not be good at what I do which I'm sure you can understand too if you're having you know if you have clients who are trauma like trauma oh yes you know what I mean like that's exactly what it is my patient I mean my clients are patients of the hospital but like there's a lot of trauma there and so when they find somebody that they can talk to they just want to like what I call like emotionally dump because they haven't been able to share their story and I'm learning to be like Yes, please tell me all the things and let's try and like pick and pull out some legal issues maybe from that and then we can work from that. But like just I'm okay with letting them like let it all out because I know that I have I have the techniques mm-hmm. and um to be able to again like disassociate and work on other things in a positive way. So I'm okay with that. Yes, I can totally relate to that. And I think that the pandemic has forced a lot of folks to be more intentional about their wellness. I know that I feel like I'm constantly adjusting things. If I, you know, sometimes it ebbs and flows. Sometimes you feel like you're really taking good care of yourself. And then other weeks you're like, "Ah, I'm not sleeping great. I'm not drinking enough water. I haven't had enough outside time. And being mindful enough to get back to that wellness routine because our work is very heavy yes extremely um and I think yeah creating a plan and knowing that sometimes you may veer from that plan like what you consider like for me my wellness practices include 
like I said, watching TV shows that are, you know, silly. Big Marvel fan, big Harry Potter fan, love me a Golden Girl marathon. <laughs> we um, know. <laughs> So yeah, so watching things that are like super silly, super silly. Um, again, like getting outside. I haven't journaled. I used to. I have not gone back into journaling. I feel like I just like I will make notes in my like on my app. Like if something comes up, I'm like, ooh, this feels heavy. Let me just type it out, and then like I'll save it. Either look it, look through it, see if I can't. Um, deal with it on my own if not then that's when I'll bring it up to my therapist mm-hmm. but yeah she also has like a 3c thing that I'm, I'm forgetting I forget all the things apparently now but it's going to come to me at towards the end I'm like wait a minute um <laughs> about like feelings like whether you can like catch it like check it and change it there it is catch it check it change Ooh, it oh I love yeah. that yeah so she's like if there's a feeling or there's like a situation that's happening like catch it so you understand like this is what's happening, check it, see if, like, see what's going on internally, and then change it, like, see if it's, change your thinking about it, change where you are, and then, so, yeah, so, catch it, check it, change it. Mm, I'm gonna have to put that in Dr. my Hamilton. therapist. Dr. Hamilton. Put that in my therapist bag myself. Yes, mm. yes, use that. Mm-hmm. I Dr. love that. Hamilton. She's not seeing new patients, sorry, everybody, but. Wow. She isn't, she told me, I, I try to get a few people, like, hey, you should talk to her. She's like, she can't, because of the pandemic, because of the pandemic, everybody is trying to get in tune and, like, fix these funky things that are going on. And so these therapists, which I'm sure you know, are like, look, they're booked and busy. When I tell you, why I have 45 patients that I see every week, and oh. we are at over capacity like if My you didn't goodness. get a therapist before the pandemic it has been challenging to yeah. find therapists who have room on their caseloads and i just That's say true. that that if you do have a therapist you know show them some grace because they are under a lot of pressure and caring oh. a lot you know yeah and i'm so happy that you have identified a therapist that works for you that's you know amazing and definitely can change your life no, absolutely. Yeah. I keep telling her, I'm like, I don't know where you, where you think you may go. Like, there's no fixing me permanently. Okay. I'm a work in progress. Like, I am always going to keep you like in my pocket somewhere. I can't give you up. And that's why I'm in therapy, I think, because I have attachment issues, I guess. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I need you forever. Stay close. Too much. I want to take everything I I think we also need to mention to the listeners about your obsession with the weekend because I don't know anyone who's a bigger fan. Every time Roxy posts a dancing video, I guarantee you it's the weekend. I guarantee you. How did I not talk about that? As was also my stressful part of my wellness practice. Okay, you guys. If you see me, you may not see me. You hear my voice. You're like, oh, this girl, this girl bakes. This girl is like super bubbly. And yet, she loves the dark music of the weekend. <laughs> like this man, sex, drugs, rock and roll. I am in my suburban house. Like yes, 
little of suburbia America, like absolutely, let's get into it. <laughs> you cannot relate. Cannot actually relate, but my gosh, you wouldn't be able to tell by the way I'm jamming along to these lyrics. Jamming. Hard. Wait, Hard. favorite album. Favorite favorite album. Oh gosh. I think right now it has to be After Hours right now, plus the Deluxe Edition killing it. Um, After Hours for sure. Second would probably be, well, the trilogy. You can't really pick. So you're going to, um, this is the rest of the this is the rest of our interview right now. It's just going to be me talking about the discography of The Weeknd and how the... Just kidding. I'm not going to jinx it like that. I could, but I won't. I will spare everybody. But just know that if you're interested in learning more, please text me or twit, tweet at me. Um, I can. <laughs> you do, y'all need to follow her on Instagram because we also are about to get into these outfits of yours. And I need to know the origin story of when it started. Okay, yes. Well, my, my Instagram is private, but I still, I still like, accept everybody. Um, uh, this is a safe space. It's a welcoming space. But, okay, so that started at the beginning of this job because when I was being onboarded, like, 50 million meetings, like, were automatically added to my calendar. And it's either meetings or again like me guest lecturing and I was like there's no way I'm gonna make it through all of this without like some level of fun to it because it's too much and so I thought okay I am a troller by nature a very pleasant troll (laughs) I'm a happy troll um there's no ill will or like evilness behind my trolling so I was thinking what is a way that I can like troll my students my colleagues um and I decided that it would be wearing outfits it started with just like me picking random things like oh this dress looks like a flight attendant so how can I make it flight attendant but also like very much professionally appropriate and then it kind of like it like morphed into pop culture which is very big pop culture fan over here and so I was like, oh, let me create, like, pop culture professor looks because I was teaching a lot more and my meetings that were not client-based. But this is not for my clients. <laughs> this is not for my clients. This is simply in-house meetings. Um, yeah, I would pick something that I either watched or listened to and just created an outfit. Um, well, in fact, the most recently, last week, it was Squid Game. So good. And I was, thank you, red light, green light. So I kind of also picked like off characters, like not the ones you would typically associate. You know, like if you think of Beetlejuice, you're probably thinking, well, she dressed up as Beetlejuice. Right. But I was like, no, I'm going to dress up as Adam from Beetlejuice, um, which is the husband, because I didn't know his name until last week. I didn't, I was like, who's the husband? I don't know. I didn't they, know it either. See? But him. Um, Alec Baldwin, yikes, I know that's a tough role right now, but I was in last week before, before this all happened. Um, and then today, just today, which is why I'm in, you guys can't see this, but why I'm in pigtails today is because I was Spinelli from Recess. Um, faves. Yeah, it's a classic, a classic. So yeah, it's, that's also like a way for me to kind of like still have fun and 
you know, not take this whole life so seriously, especially my job, because it's very serious. So I kind of like to interject some fun in there. So, yeah. I love it. Oh, I, one of my, thank you. One of my faves, I think, was Wednesday Adams. That was a good one. Since, <laughs> since it is... Nobody can see that, hopefully. No. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> since it's... Sounds so close, like you. Halloween yeah. month. I mean, Adam's Family is one of my faves. And I was like, wow, way to pay homage. Loved it. Thank you. And again, you might have felt like, oh, Morticia or Gomez. Wednesday, Adam's always. Always. She is an absolute mood. Absolute mood. That's (laughs) the girl. That's the one. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so that one I had a lot of fun. That was, like, earlier on. Um, Yeah, and so I just... I got asked this question today, actually. Um, one of my line cooks was like, do you just buy this stuff? I'm like, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> we are using everything in our closet to do this. I just realized, like, there's so many things I have in here that I can just reuse in a different way, that it doesn't have to be, like, all, you know, stuffy and stiff and in my, like, button-down and my suits. Like, not every single day I'm in that. So the days that I'm not, have fun with it. I love it. Balance. Balance. And the last place we're going to go is I have to ask you about what it's like being a mother, specifically to a young black boy. What's that like for you? Um, it's uh, there, that's like it's such a tricky question because like when I think part of the reason why I went into therapy as it might have been like was Ahmad Arbery that was May 2020 or 29 was that 2019 2020 it was 2020 but I think we found out about it a few months uh after he February. had passed he actually was yeah. killed in February I believe yeah okay and it was, like, because his birthday, I think, was either, like, May 8th or May 10th. And my brother, who was, who was still in Atlanta, but at the time was also living in, like, a very, like, rural part of at, uh, Georgia because of his job, you know, tall. My brother was six, seven and a half. He wow. Dark skin. Yeah, I know. Dark skin. I mean, he's the sweetest. He's, like, the, a giant, skinny teddy bear. Um it's just like those same thoughts like he talks all the time he used to walk his dog you know in like neighborhoods that people probably think like you shouldn't be in and so I think that is what triggered me into starting therapy was because mm. it's around that time like this could have been my brother so now thinking of my son um it's just really important for us to have him grow up in an area that was going to protect him so putting him in school like the school that he's in he's in kindergarten now so a school that's you know very diverse mm-hmm. and you know picking neighborhoods because we're still house hunting but picking neighborhoods that are very diverse for like this is not going to happen to him and then getting to a point where we can have that conversation with him about what's going on like not everybody's going to like you and it could be for something as silly as the color of your skin something that you can't even control like we're trying to teach him my husband and I always talk about, like, you don't want to ra- like, you're not going to be an a-hole, okay? Like, that you can help, but, like, you being black, you can't help that. Like, that's right. who you are. Um, but 
you know, we have affirmation because kids can be cruel and I see Absolutely. that. And so whenever, you know, I, I give them a shower or anything, I'm always telling them, oh, look at your beautiful brown skin, beautiful brown. So whenever I ask them like, oh, what color is your skin? Beautiful brown. Like you just associate now brown with beautiful. So he feels really good about his skin, his hair the same way. Um, Cause he's got, when he was a baby, he had like these luscious curls. And so now obviously he's a lot older. So we cut it down. And so the same thing, like your hair is perfect just the way it is. Whatever you want to do, it's your hair. You're beautiful just the way you are. You know, just kind of building him up because he doesn't need to hear that inside the house. You know, we're never going to be the ones to talk down on him or have him hear anything, any negative comments. Because unfortunately, he's going to hear that outside of the house. Whether it's directed towards him or it's on TV or something that he reads, you know, when he's older. Um, and so we, like a bubble, but like a very aware bubble is what we're trying to have or we're trying to create, um, for him. But yeah, so it is tough. And that is something that, you know, between me, I mean, I'm a woman, my husband is a male. So that's something that he can have, like, that's a conversation that he always has with him too. So they have like their, you know, daddy son bonding moments and then they have those kind of conversations at least to kind of like introduce him to it but he's just still a boy you know we don't want to we the the world will adultify him mm, yes unfortunately <laughs> and so we want to keep him a kid as long as possible so yes these conversations are being had but like in a very elementary way where it's just like people may be mean you don't have to be friends with them. You don't have to let people talk to you. You know, if somebody's mean to you at school, tell somebody, but also tell us. Because we'll be there. Just kidding. <laughs> but we will. No, in I'm... a professional, in a passive-aggressive email or something, but yes, we will professionally beat their ass. I mean, I think what is important is that you can still find humor yourself as um, as a black woman navigating this world, because I think even between your work and everything that's happened in the pandemic around racial unrest, sometimes it feels heavy all the time. And I yeah. think what, what I have found to be so refreshing is that even with things like the outfits and, you know, the golden girls marathon that you have been able to still tap into the childlike part of you and I think that as black people we really need to focus on our joy because the world will try and take it from us regularly and absolutely and it sounds like to me you are you're just reminding him that there is joy and that in it could be in your community we are actively working to ensure that you are covered and I think that black people have always done that you know since we got here you know, that we focus on community and it's something that we all are going to continue to focus on as we move through the pandemic. I know that that community has been what has kept me going during like dark moments during the pandemic. And so I'm happy that you have moved to an area that is more supportive and more affirming and that you're modeling that for him. It's important. Yeah. I, Oh, Really? No. <laughs> Absolutely. I think like you have to like you have to find a reason to smile. You have to find a reason to keep going if you can because 
like you feel like the world is and the world is either gonna pull you down or there's just there's just so much negativity out there that like you've got to protect yourself so again like that very self-aware conscious bubble where it's like nope i'm protecting my peace and I'm going to find a reason to smile or laugh or like chill out today because if not, you get stuck in this like black hole of bitterness, of, you know, resentment, of comparison and all these other things and like self-doubt and, you know, or just like, again, negativity, violence and um, um, social unrest and all of these things that like you can really go down this very deep, deep rabbit hole, this black hole. And it's sometimes hard to pull yourself out of, but like find the joy in every day, find something to keep you going because it's so worth it. It's so worth it to be able to have that for yourself and then also kind of be that for somebody else. So yeah, I try to sprinkle and it does, I mean, it does make, it does make me happy to hear that like people are also enjoying this because they're like, what crazy stuff is Rox going to do? Because be crazy she's gonna do something she's gonna do something that's either you know like i just i like being the light sharing the light you know i like it and shining the light on other things so yeah that's that's me in a nutshell roxy in a nutshell what a what a pleasant interview (laughs) this was so great we appreciate you <laughs> taking the time out of your busy life to come on my little old podcast yeah. and make sure y'all tune in the episode is gonna be up before you know it so perfect i can't wait to hear what this sounds like because you know what do i sound like on the other side mm. that's what i'm about to find out Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all for listening, tuning in, and we'll see y'all in a few weeks.